Hi, everyone. Today, uh, I'm joined by Daniel Gortz and Nora Bateson for a conversation that uh, a lot of people have been really interested to, to see unfold, and uh, I'm one of them. Uh, I'll introduce uh, my interlocutors here, and then uh, we, can, we can dive into the subject at hand. Um, but uh, I, yeah, so Nora Bateson, uh, systems thinker, writer, educator, filmmaker, and president of, of the International Bateson Institute. Uh, her work explores the intersection of society and complex systems, particularly through a lens of warm data. Um, and uh, I know many in, who will be watching this will be very familiar with your work, Nora, um, and uh, very excited by it. Uh, also, same could go uh, be said about Daniel Gortz, who's a sociologist and theorist, uh, one of the thinkers behind the Hansi Freinacht works, which develop a program of political metamodernism that's deeply rooted in developmental psychology. Um, and so that I think kind of sets up a little bit of, of why we're here and uh, the conversation, which is going to revolve around questions about stage theory, uh, its applications, its uh, where and if it's ever warranted, uh, it, the basis or legitimacy of the paradigm itself. Um, Nora uh, got started a really fruitful and, uh, and productive debate on this conversation uh, some time ago. Um, and uh, I think that uh, there's a general consensus that these sorts of issues really um, benefit a lot from uh, kind of interrogation, uh, critical scrutiny, and uh, and a deeper exploration. So, um, yeah, uh, I, that's basically it. I, I think, um, you know, beyond framing it that way, Nora, I, I would say your uh, take on this issue, which I, I'll invite you in a minute to get more into, has been... Um, uh, largely, I'd say, critical of notions of uh, the efficacy and legitimacy of stage theory paradigms, whereas uh, Daniel's work um, is uh, kind of uh, enthusiastically embracing them and finds a lot of utility and use for them. Uh, and so beyond that, I just want to open it up and see where this conversation can go ultimately towards, ideally, I think, greater uh, understanding, synergy, and uh, kind of a synthesis where, um, you know, I don't want to just do kind of a debate back and forth. I'd like to kind of um, have this be uh, ideally really productive. And if we could end somewhere where there's uh, more confluence and understanding of each other's positions, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, but we'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, uh, that would be how I'd frame it. And so I'll throw it to you first, Daniel. If you want to set up, um, either reframe that however you want. Uh, otherwise, uh, talk a little bit about how you understand stage theories why they're important for you and, and the work that you're doing um, and how you would kind of go about articulating some of that. And also, by the way, thank you both for uh, for being on here. This is really exciting. So uh, yeah, take away, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, so, so nice to be back here, Brendan, and uh, nice to meet you, Nora, for the first time. Been aware of your work for, for a very long time. I, uh, at my last job at one project, I tried to get the whole research team to take your... Um, your warm data course, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was speaking to, I think, a, a, a common friend, Joran uh, Jansson, who was, uh, oh, yeah. uh, who, you know, had discovered your work since I saw him last and who was uh, very enthusiastic about it. Uh, that, that never materialized, but it's, you know, it's been closer and closer in on my, on my radar since then. So it's, uh, it's one of those attractor points. I, I think there, there was, yeah, was in the stars that we would speak in a sense, I, because Brendan, when when um, 
you asked us about this. You might not know this, but we were asked by, I, you know, I think my, maybe five or six different sources, like, come on, can I host you for a conversation about this? And we did say yes to one uh, a long time ago. Uh, then, then I actually missed that date or there were some miscommunications about the emails and stuff back and forth. But, uh, but here we are many months later. So anyway, uh, stage theory, well, it's, an it's a, somewhat of an impossible um, task to defend it in general, because then it sounds like, like, you know, then it sounds like you like all stage. <laughs> so like, stage theory is a, is, is a general pattern, or you might say a design pattern uh, for, for, uh, for scaffolding your thoughts. Uh, there are good and bad ways to do it. Uh, they're, they're, uh, the, the general idea would be that there are nonlinear uh, qualitative leaps uh, that you can discover and that you can study the patterns of, uh, so that there are so there there is somehow uh, there's something inherent in what happens uh, in uh, in a person or in nature or in society uh, where, where more and more of something happens until it sort of breaks down on itself. It had there's some crack, there's a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in and so forth. And through that crack, because the whole thing uh, evolved according to a certain logic through that crack something new emerges that you can see non-arbitrarily so sort of relates to the to the thing from which it emerged right so it can be uh, uh, levels of uh, of reasoning in a child right uh, if uh, you could first this is the most classical of all of all that stage theories, uh, the Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-Piaget-
ways to gauge such qualitative shifts, right? Uh, and then you can look across the animal realm and see similar, uh, similar uh, patterns, right? To that, you can have animals which would react to uh, to um, uh, to an image uh, in in, in um, to 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 a mirror image or not, uh, or, or to certain different degrees. Now, it's important to say that um, stage theories they can be of society, such as Marxist stage theories, or they can be of they can be of nature, such as uh, uh, stage theories of, of uh, uh, ecological growth uh, or, or uh, physiological uh, layers in the brain, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, now we have been talking about mental or psychological stage theories. And um, it's important to mention that stage theories, although they can lead to to the mistake of overgeneralizing them, uh, they're not saying they, they they look at specific sequences. Basically, the only pattern we're looking for through stage theories is sequentiality. Does something build non-arbitrarily on something else, or or on the on the collapse of the former logic, so to speak, or its collapse in and of itself, the former dynamic or whatever it was. That, that's the general idea. So, for instance, we all think of humans as more intelligent than chimpanzees. However, if you look at, um, if you look at working memory, chimpanzees are highly more uh, efficient, right? You know, are, are, are highly, superior uh, in terms of just how quickly they probably because they're uh, they have uh, they have a very quick working memory so they can navigate trees very quickly right uh, whereas we're slower thinkers for instance um, and you, you can divide it up in many many different such examples and counter examples so it's not that if something is higher stage then everything about it is superior in every regard, etc. It's just that this sequence, more of this leads to that. There's some qualitative shift where something else interesting emerges that simply couldn't emerge on the former stage, right? And, and why is that a, an important thing to me? Um, several, several reasons. Um, I mean, I came across uh, my, I, sociologist uh, where where these sorts of things would not be very popular uh, or rather taboo right you can, you can you can ruin your academic career just by subscribing to these theories right you yeah, the door won't won't open up um, it, but having taken a look at Ken Wilber's stuff uh, from uh, from um, uh, being interested in, in the inner development and meditation and spirituality, stuff like that, wanting to integrate that, but also having a sense that there could be maps that put together the different sociological theories. I, I was really fascinated with it. And I had some problems then with, okay, he introduced stage theories into his thinking. They, those were fairly crude. Right, uh, he looked at a lot of ones, and then he proposed his own his own ones that were fairly crude, but intuitively interesting. And when I started applying that view of things, so many things fell into place. I could see, aha. Uh -huh. So society 
uh, has people functioning at different cognitive stages and they experience the same social phenomena very, very, very differently. Ah, there's a, a rich, and I think it's right to use ecology of different perspectives that have to do with developmental qualities. Aha, people are not, main, the, 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 the wide mainstream is not blind to, uh, uh, to to uh, to things of reconnecting to issues of an environmentalism, animal rights, reconnecting to nature, uh, d d deeper issues of equality and and so forth, and and uh, spiritual attunement. It's just that it's just that these things have not materialized in their lives and in their minds, given the right given the right. Uh, circumstances, the, the 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 likelihood for that would go up, right? So, I felt there's a sense of directionality, like aha, there are things. The, the, it, there, there's there, there's a non-arbitrary sense of direction that arises from from subscribing to at least some of the more general patterns of, of these. Uh, these stage theories there's a sequentiality which is not to say that there is teleological teleological uh, drive or that god wants something to happen it just it's just to say that yes there's a pattern there's a pattern of patterns and there's a pattern to those that pattern of patterns <laughs> so you can study non-arbitrary sequences uh, of of how things develop or uh, and things develop by resolving the problems of the former things, right? So you, you get a sense of directionality and that, that fills you actually with a sense of purpose or it does not you, I shouldn't speak in the abstract, it fills me with a sense of purpose. Uh, and, uh, and I felt this uh, other people light up in, in a similar manner. I also feel that it, it sounds arrogant on the get, uh, you know, on the surface, like, okay, so you, you, you think you're higher stage than this person, but that's not how it feels from the inside, right? It feels the other way around, right? It feels humbling, right? It feels that there's always something that will resolve the, 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 the mind dilemmas or mind fucks or, uh, in inconsequentialities that I have at this point and 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 harmonizes them on a higher level uh, there's always more right and it's going to be it's going to come from a direction that I can't even see yet because every new stage development is from a new dimension right and it helps you to see that okay so if people disagree with you it may or may not have to do with stage differences but at least uh, you don't get to judge people for uh, for their opinions and worldviews uh, because it is not about choice, not about morality. It's about capacities uh, that have developed through whole ecologies that stretch beyond that particular person, person and the environment, uh, or that uh, particular social setting. If if you don't like in, in Sweden, a lot of people don't like the nationalists, for instance, right? Um, yeah, so we have a nationalist party. It's about eighteen percent. They're probably likely to be in the government soon. Uh, most of us don't like them at all. Uh, they appear crude, prejudiced, and so forth. However, from a developmental perspective, you can say 
okay, that's how I would have felt if I was uh, less educated, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and had not had these and these experiences, had not had that and that scaffolding, I would feel the same way. And in fact, because there is truth in every stage, as things turn out now, maybe the nationalists, for all their you know kitchen table swearing, were right about some things, right? Uh, and uh, and the rest of us maybe had something to learn from them and to advance uh, as, and heal as a society, we maybe needed to listen to that part of ourselves that we had buried, right? Um, so so there there were those those are the main the main like on, on on a motivational level, the main things that I get out of it, right? A sense of direction and a sense of actually openness and tolerance. Now, I, I think uh, I think I could go more on the on the critical side as well. There there's a lot of bad uses of stage theory, um, but I think I've been speaking for long. I I just don't want to say I just want don't want to end on the note. So I'm all for this in all situations, and everybody should just think about stage theory all day long. And if you don't subscribe to it, uh, you're a bad person or whatever. Uh, that's not that's not my opinion, I think oftentimes stage theories do more harm than good. And I have very concrete examples from this in my own life and in uh, my direct surroundings. Uh, so I would like to talk more about that, but maybe it's time for, for Nora to give her, her version. Yeah. No, and I would, yeah, I think it'd be great if, if, uh, if both sides, as it were, and there are many sides to this issue, but if as many yeah. sides as possible, we could uh, address. So yeah, we'll definitely come back to your, your own critiques. But yeah, uh, Nora, what are your reflections on that or uh, uh, everything else? Well, I, you know, I think I, I want to start off with um, a kind of recognition of the issue, right? So one of the, the biggest parts of this is that, that an acorn becomes an oak tree. A child becomes an adult, right? Um, and a, a seed becomes an apple tree. So there is this process by which that this is occurring. Um, so I, I want to be very clear that I understand that. <laughs> um, and but but what I want to bring to this um, is a couple of things. Um, first of all, I'm coming from my own history here, and it was my grandfather who coined the term genetics. Um, and he was studying um, evolutionary biology and. Uh, in various forms and um, fighting eugenics. Okay, this is the turn of the century. It was 1905. Um, and he actually gave the second lecture um, at Galton's eugenics um, conference and started it off with, I understand why you guys think this is a good idea because people did. Okay, the idea with eugenics was that if we had more perfect human beings, we would have a more perfect society. If you fix the parts, you fix the whole. And this was coming directly from industrialism. Okay, this is right out of the, the metaphor of the factory. And so th this is also the beginning of psychology. This is um, where we start to get this idea of what is normal and what is abnormal. 
Okay, now these ideas, as we all know, have been disastrous in a lot of different ways, but we kind of got, after World War II, eugenics got a bad name. It's since come back, but, um, but, but even though eugenics was removed as a, as a thing thing, it had already infiltrated the education system, this world of psychology, our, you know, the way our entire societies are structured, our language, it was all over everything. And this was, so this was by no means something that was relegated to the Germans and Nazi Germany. This was, the eugenics was the honey pie of all science globally over the turn of the century and into the beginning of the, uh, you know, into the twenties. So, um, and, and beyond actually up until, you know, it got really gross with the Nazis. So I just first want to point to this problem, um, of pulling the individual organism, whether it's a human being or any other organism, an apple tree or a oak tree or whatever out of its context, to create this arc to study its development. Um, and I think in order to really explore that, there's a couple of things that we have to open up. Um, one of them is another way of looking at ecology. Okay, so we are trained to, in the best of circumstances, look at ecology as the interdependency of a lot of different organisms producing life. Okay, that's I'm just going to say that's a rough estimate with patterns and interdependent, you know, okay. So the problem, as I see it, is that the epistemology that has been produced through the education system, the relationship to the health system, to the political system, to the economic system, to the metaphor of the factory, the idea of even like finding a solution is a linear idea. Right. So if this language, the assumptions and the presuppositions that came with eugenics and industrialism are so deeply rooted in even the way research is done. OK, most of the time research is done by pulling something out of context, apple tree and oak tree, and looking at that in its decontextualized process. So this is something that my grandfather was fighting tooth and nail. Um, and he said, this is a vulgarity. This is a violence to nature. And because things don't grow by themselves. Things don't grow by themselves. So when you look at something, and the example that I always give is this one my father gave of the deer antlers. And the deer has antlers. And if you look at those antlers, you see that he can use it for defense or he can use it for aggression. He can, you know, protect himself or whatever. They're also attractive to the female deer. Um, but they also have little flies that can only live in their velvet. They also, when they drop, they become home and food to all sorts of organisms that are on the forest floor. And those organisms, they poop. And their poop takes the minerals from those deer antlers into the soil, which produces the back and feeds the bacteria and the soil that produces the forest and the environment where the deer lives. Now, here's my place where stage theory drives me bonkers is the question of where's the edge of the deer? Where's the edge of the deer? So then if you 
if you look at this, and I guess, you know, one thing that I find is always missing from this, this discussion is actually um, the work of Charles Saunders Peirce. And Charles Saunders Peirce talked about abductive process. And uh, it's a weird word. It's not that easy. But but the concept with abductive process is very and somehow outside of the psychological development discourse and learning. Um, and and the, the way that Persian abductive process works is that it, he talks about it in the way that you might have an experience and and then you take what you learn in that experience and in a completely different context you're able to hypothesize based on that other experience okay so you play a new piece of music for me i've never heard that piece of music before so there's a lot i don't understand a lot of notes i don't hear but i have had my heart broken and i can feel the heartbreak in it you see how those are different contexts Right, so what I learn in one context, I can apply to another, but not—it's not a direct correlation. It's, and you never know what it's going to be. Right, the way my father talked about abductive process was in the way one context becomes a description of another. Okay, now this becomes very interesting when you start to look at the question of what is. What, how do you define an individual organism? All right, so when you look at, for example, um, you know, you might look at one of the examples that I like to use are those moths, you know, that have the, the eyes in them that look like owls or birds of prey. Uh, and what we're seeing there is that those moths in their physiological um, development are actually describing not their predators, but their predators' predators, okay? So that's a second order description of context in the same way that I might say those little flies that live in the antler velvet are a description of the deer. Okay, the, the bacteria that need those minerals <clears throat> that the forest creatures poop out is a description of the deer. So what we're looking at at an ecological way is how all these organisms are shaping each other. How are they shaping each other? And, and then when you think, okay, what, how are we gonna describe learning? Or, or evolution in this process. Now, what I would tend to say is that the evolution is not in the individual organism. It's in the relationship between them, but more than that, it's in the mutual learning in the abductive process. Okay, so that means that when we even are talking about stage theory, we have to ask ourselves, what world are we speaking through? And, you know, even what, because there's such a tautology here. We are totally in a tautology with this one. Stage theory is real because it's been proved and it's been proved by the research that actually took the things out of context that studied the individual organisms. And so 
I don't know how to even address it at this point because what I'm seeing is that uh, if you start to take this notion of how and, and, and in what millions of ways the industrial metaphor has permeated our ways of being, you start to look for efficiency, bettering, optimizing, quicker, faster, more, and the hypothesis itself of looking at that is going to show us what it is that's in our existing set of epistemological frames. So, you know, there's a trap here. And if I want to say stage theory is real, or for that matter, stage theory is not real, in any case, what I'm doing is I'm making a prescription from an existing set of epistemological premises that is completely laden with presuppositions of an industrial world. And that industrial world is absolutely wanting to isolate the individual, chart the linear directionality of its development, and to do so is dangerous, okay? This is why I was upset about it. If you do that, you are not able to actually perceive all the contextual, you know, you can say to someone, oh, you shouldn't be so competitive, or you should have more empathy, or you should be more compassionate, or, you know, any of those things, but they've learned to be in a world that is none of those things, and they're surviving. And if you say something like that to somebody who's living in, a, you know, a world that has been pretty brutal, it isn't, that is the worst thing that they could do, is actually have more trust, be optimistic, right? The best way to get caught in an abusive relationship is to have empathy. So, you know, you can't isolate these characteristics that you might want to develop, nor can you isolate the individual. Honestly, I don't even think we can isolate our, our own thinking on this subject without recognizing um, to some degree of honesty that, that, that there is a tautology that we're inside of here. Um, so what, what prompted my post, okay, was that I had uh, heard about some things happening where some people that I knew were getting, you know, surveyed for to have their, their, their levels of this and that and the other thing measured. And one of them didn't measure up to whatever this ridiculous survey was. Okay, and, and the pain that came out of that and the, the incredible um, hubris of like, I have the metric by which I will assess how you are developing. When that development and those ways of learning are happening in many transcontextual ways that you can never imagine as somebody else's experience. In fact, they don't know what will open their doors, what will, what will come next and how they will respond to it. You know, my, my friend was playing guitar for a long time and then he, you know, he had a really hard experience and he went to play the song. He tried to play a thousand times and suddenly he could play it. It wasn't that he developed physically 
to play the guitar. It was that he had an experience that then allowed his body to move in new ways. Where's the learning? When you learn to play violin, where's the learning? Is it in your muscles? Is it in your intellect? Is it in the relationship to the shape of the violin and the history of the production of this instrument? Is it in relationship to the teacher? Is it some relationship to the music? Some emotional relationship to the music itself? Is it, is it in the audience? Is it in a lack of words? Experiencing something that you can't say in words. And, you know, I, I would say that it's in all of those things. But if you have a metric that you're placing on one of them, and you say, this person doesn't measure up because they can't play these scales correctly. And you've missed the, this incredible richness of, of, of learning and, and, and quickening and connecting that has taken place inside this person in another way that is in response to the music. You could, sh you, you know, you, you, that person can shut down. For example, if you take that example then into an ecological framework, what you're going to start to, uh, I think, recognize is that, you know, most of the ways in which there has been interruption to produce bigger, faster, more, um, that those things are premised on, on you know, on, on the idea that, that you can isolate an organism from its environment. And that's what I see at the core of the stage theory debate, is this idea that you can actually see and somebody can have a rubric for an organism that's been isolated from its multi-contextual learning processes. And I, 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 I guess my question really would be why? Like, why not explore the multi-contextual processes? Why do we need to have those measurements or make those assessments or hold a rubric to somebody else's development? Um, and, and I've lived in enough different cultures to recognize that, you know, certainly, for example, if you're in some cultures and you are, I'm from the, the sort of heart of the California 70s reality where we learn to express our feelings. And if you do that in some cultures, that is not seen as a developed thing to do. That is seen as an incredibly childish, immature need for attention. Okay, so who's holding the rubric? And, you know, these are cultures who that have all have, you know, this ancient wisdom that says there are experiences that transcend verbal expression. You shouldn't give them verbal expression or you will diminish them. To give them verbal expression is a reveal of your lack of development. All right, then you go into other places and it's like, well, if you learn to express yourself, you're a more highly developed person. I mean, it's, it's contextual, it's cultural, it's completely in the eachness of, of us. So I, I think for me, that's where, um, those are those are some of the places. Yeah. Okay. I'm concerned. So, uh, roughly speaking, uh, uh, two two uh, uh, two main topics that you bring up. Uh, the one is is a more epistemological critique of of uh, 
of stage three we're in a certain reductive mode of thinking and the other is is a certain practice right uh a certain practice that uh, that can uh, that is associated with with uh, with that sort of uh with that sort of research right or that sort of attitude towards towards reality and reality and towards organisms and people and so forth and roughly my own reaction is i mostly disagree with the first first part i i think there are a lot of uh there were a lot of um uh, there, there are, are a lot of uh loose associations or connections uh that uh, that in fact are fairly thin um between stage theories as we see them today let's say robert keegan and, and eugenics etc if you look at robert keegan uh, 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 uh context is key I, I don't even like robert keegan but uh, let, let's take another one right but, yeah. but i mean if you look at if you look at the general discourse in in, in developmental theory context is key uh, and uh, abduction is important in actually uh, most of the more advanced uh, the, the theorists they tend to look at the the um uh, the interactions of induction abduction and uh, um uh, and deduction and uh, purse is a living legend uh, and is in, in and of himself a developmental theorist you are yeah. one too i would say uh, because uh, you just developed developmental theory with uh, with linear thinking on the one hand industrial thinking and then sort of breaking out of the box there where you see more context and you see the linear thinking breaks down on itself does not even fulfill its own goals and and uh, undermines its own purpose so that's a two-stage developmental theory so i i disagree on basically every Everything you said there, <laughs> and I mean, I don't disagree with the, the particular <laughs> statements you said, but I disagree with the connection that you're making between those things and, and stage theory. I think, and you also mentioned again and again, linearity, right? The whole point of stage theory, I repeat this again and again to people, is that it's radically non-linear, much more radically non-linear than dividing uh, the world up into one organic world and one industrial mechanical world, uh, it, because it sees that the mechanical world is not just uh or the the, the newtonian world or cartesian world etc it's alive like everything else so you don't get to say there's this dead there's this dead behemoth over there and that's uh us alive plus indigenous people over here uh, you have to relate to the whole including that part and that's where stage theories uh are, are a perfect uh tool right so so why the the why because it can serve sense of directionality, because it can serve humility, because it can serve correct perspective taking, right? Because without- Wait, hold on. With, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What, when you say sense of directionality, yeah. so, so the sense, this is sense of directionality, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So that, that's that's an important one, right? So so if if you look at my books, uh, they're about uh, the future of society, right? Uh, so they're about okay. So it's so a title. One of the books is uh, "Listening Society." So the sense of directionality is aha wait a minute if we look at more of the context of people and we improve upon those contexts generally people will also on average and over time develop 
less traumatized histories, et cetera, et cetera. And they will grasp more context, more complexity, have greater curiosity because they have the wherewithal to do so, right? And that, that is actually studied that is studyable uh, you can't study that in a non-arbitrary manner right uh, so, so that's that's the sense of directionality towards not towards one yeah one omega point but towards a certain set of sense of opening or openness uh, uh, and, and and greater surprises rather well, um, sense that there's this linear hierarchy in there um the, the the hierarchies are just patterns of patterns right so so it's there, there are shifts i we can get back to that part i wanted to say the part that i really agree with you on mm -hmm. and uh, first before we go on and and you know it's it's hey your friend's feelings was hurt by a fucking survey and mm -hmm. very apparently that survey was about you know some 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 dots you know some some criss crosses on on a paper or or an interview or whatever of course that survey cannot contain the richness and dignity and everything else of that person and the very idea of the stages also brings with us because we have we are uh, in many ways, very hierarchical animals because we're we're uh, social. That's not the best, not our be the better angels of our nature. But these things hurt, and they get mixed up with with the, this this uh, practice of that. So, uh, uh, this practice of measuring stages and so forth. So, I agree with you that most of the uses of stage theory on a day-to-day -day level or on a institutional level or or as uh, or, or or as uh, instruments of control or as instruments of uh, of hierarchization are not mm -hmm. only wrong but deeply harmful right mm -hmm. um, because the, like the whole the sense of directionality is towards this sense of openness and contextuality higher stages means you you uh, you coordinate more things in more holistic and more more open-minded manners it does not mean you put yourself above somebody because of a piece of paper etc cetera, etc cetera, right uh, so I mean, one so, thing that... so the practices mm -hmm. that we have today, uh, I mean, I want, I want to say that the, I agree with you. I, I disagree with you on the epistemological general critique of, of all stage theories and like that and its connection to eugenics and so, so forth. However, I agree with you on the uh, if we view this as as a certain set of uh, procedures or practices uh, and and i think there is some some very important soil there because i think the next level or stage of stage theories would be would somehow deal with that hierarchical element in a productive manner right um so 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 yeah th there is something more yeah. to create there yeah. right I mean, when I say that there's an epistemological problem with it, my mm. epistemological issue here is mm. with the whole idea. Yeah. So it's this idea the that The idea somebody, is just sequentiality. Are you against music as well, right? You said in the beginning, right? No, no, no. Hold on. My, my issue is the, with the idea that somebody 
can actually have a predetermined idea of what somebody else's development should look like and measure them accordingly. That's where I feel the, the ghost of eugenics. I'm not saying that, that, you know, that Gebser's stage theory is eugenics. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the idea of, of, of accounting for somebody else's growth through your rubric, any rubric, I don't care whose it is, is in itself holding some deep industrial habits. So, so I would argue, actually, the, in in a sense, the opposite is actually true, right? Uh, if you can say, well, that mode of thinking is bad and industrial and reductive and hierarchical, but mine isn't, then you're just saying I'm a better person than that person. If you can, if if you can trace. Uh, the actual processes of the mind that would lead that position to your position and under and explain why Gebser would make the exact claim uh, that he's making and say I would say I would do that well as well if I were in his shoes given his context and thus I can see how his thing is not necessarily blah 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 well, evil or, or but, but something I mean, along those lines. Right? What I'm saying. I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong essentially with Piaget. Okay, so my yeah. dad and Piaget were friends, yeah. right? But Piaget was doing what he did in his era. Mm. Okay, and and as stage theory as as it has come. Same with you know, um, what's his name, um, integral guy. Weber, um, Wilbur, yeah. Wilbur, and yeah. uh, that he, you know, this that was of an era. Mm. It was of a time, yeah, so, and I, so I guess you're making I'm, a new stage theory. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> what I'm that saying was of that is, era, but now you've grown out of it. And can no, what I'm saying is that this is we are responding yeah. in context. Okay, mm. yeah. it was part of the abductive process of being in that context. That was how they knew to do research, right? And and so I'm not I'm not saying that that was, um, I mean they're just doing what they did, but I, I I would say that you know for example when the Nazis made assessments of people that that was violent and wrong, so I do well, think I, that there is well a we place agree there we agree there where you set that line, right? What's that? I, there's a place where you set that line, yeah. Where you say that thinking is not good. Mm. Yeah. Um, that, Right. And so so that I think is is interesting of where is that line? How do you know when your stage theory or your survey is actually a form of hubris that's quite violent? Um, Even when it's so, so, so we so can we can stop on, on this topic because here I, I think I think there is something. Uh, I mean, stage theory likely won't go away, neither will critiques of it. No. Right. However, <laughs> I, uh, uh, on that in that space where those those positions rub against one another, I think there is something that could radically improve how stage theory is understood and used. I, I can give you some examples of, of things that have troubled me. Uh, mm. And I think maybe also uh, non-stage theory can actually, or, or many other perspectives can actually also be enriched by 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 the very critique of stage theory as, as a sort of uh, counterposition or something. I'm sorry, Brendan, you wanted to say something as well. Well, yeah, right? I just wanted to, um, 
So uh, what's interesting to me is that I feel like there's actually a lot of agreement here. It's just sort of a terminological uh, shift. It's almost like, uh, and the hangup seems to be making the language about calling something a stage theory explicit seems to be the hangup. Um, because I think, uh, so to Daniel's port, uh, point, Nora, and, and, and I, I, would, I would ask this as well, it's sort of, if you're in a position where you're, you're looking at different ways that uh, something has been seen or thought about, and you're making a, an assessment of that, that's saying this, this isn't good, and this would be better as, as you're doing, right? You're saying stage mm -hmm. theories are problematic because they're too linear industrial and, and this other thing would be better, right? Um, I think what Daniel's getting at is that is, uh, you could describe that as a stage theory of, of this is a movement from a less complete, less holistic way of thinking, a more linear and non-holistic way of thinking to this is a movement to a, a more holistic, more contextually aware uh, way of thinking. And so, um, I'm curious what you would make of that. I don't want to call it an argument, but there's a claim there that that what you're saying, precisely what you're saying, could be interpreted through a lens of stage theory. And uh, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, I, I think that's kind of great. That's what I think. I think well, it's kind of funny. Okay. And, and yeah, uh, uh, because I guess it's it's it becomes a question. Like I was just saying, where is the edge? Where is the place where you start to say, okay, um, you know, this epistemological process is 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 not allowing for life. And, and, and it seems to come up for me that like one of the strong points of your perspective, right, is that you're taking in more context. You're taking in uh, interrelationship and the dynamics, uh, ecological dynamics, right? That's a benefit. So I guess the question, um, I, to reframe the question, I think that Daniel's sort of getting at is um, wh why not that be the, the edge, the line, right? If what defines the progression is the linear, okay. well, I don't want to say linear, but the, uh, yeah. the the sequence of becoming more and more holistic and contextual in one's thought would seem to be a, a, a value. I guess I don't see it as a sequence. Um, you know, and, and because in the same period of time, there are plenty of other cultures in the world who are absolutely able to, you know, largely, you know, even speak in verbs. But those cultures got deemed less developed. In fact, we called it the developing world. Um, so, so you know, I, I think each, my, my feeling is that actually there is a kind of eachness. And um, maybe part of what I'm um, responding to is the notion of, of categorizing. And, and even, you know, I, I, I live in a world of patterns myself, but when you start to place patterns on people, it, it, you know, bad things happen and they have happened. It's not necessarily a great practice. So there is this, this contextual richness um, that that comes with the infinite possibilities of every individual's experiences. So my feeling is, why do I want to measure those? Why do I want to chart that? I don't really want to chart that. I'm curious as to what they're learning and who they are. I don't really want to say whether it's better or worse or whether they're excelling in this direction and they're, you know, well, they haven't quite made the muster on this other one. Um, I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not, when I, imagine myself thinking that way about 
you know, a, a, another human being, I feel really sad. And then just a, 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 really quick, fundamental way. a quick follow up to that, I guess, uh, along those lines. So you talk about eachness. I love that. Actually, it's a beautiful expression. Um, I guess my question would be, do you think if people could become more and more able to appreciate the eachness of people and things that that would be a, a, a good like progression or, or e even thinking of it in those terms is, is still too. I mean, here's the, this is why I keep coming back to the industrialism. It's the word more. Mm. And when you start to place that more word on you're back where we started. Fair enough. Um, I, I think that's, uh, it, it, yeah, I, I think there, there is, if, if we go deep enough into this question, there is a certain yin and yang, right? This is also, I suppose, in, in some of the more spiritual uh, developmental theorists, you have, you have, there is an echo of this, you know, you mentioned Jean, Jean, uh, Jean Gebser, for instance, and, and, uh, and his, the title of his book is Ever-Present Origin, right? That that things are going somewhere. He was a teleological thinker more, more so than myself, but, uh, but, but there's the sense that there's, we're, there's, you might as well say that things are coming home or that things were already complete, or you might as well say that there's an eachness to every thing that is not reducible to, to uh, whatever measure we're putting on it, et cetera, right? Uh, so, I mean, uh, it depends on, on which level of, of analysis we're speaking. Are we talking about fundamental existential truths? I mean, uh, developmental theory doesn't get us very far. These are just models to, to navigate the world, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, and bad developmental theories can help us, can of course, get us to navigate the world very poorly. I mean, you, you mentioned eugenics, uh, which, you know, they, do, they weren't stage theories, but, but they had a sense of direction and, and a very, and very crude sense of direction, basically, should be, become cool and strong and, uh, I don't know, you know, aggressive I or mean, whatever. Right? Uh, it was basically able to be in the factory. Mm, yeah, and able to make war, unfortunately, I suppose. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so um, uh, which, which I suppose was a very, you know, horrible sense of direction, but also Marxism, right? Um, that they said, okay, so capitalism will break down on its on its own logic. Uh, you know, its its logic will fold in on itself, and through that will come up first dictatorship of the proletariat, and then a higher then then higher stage when the state dissolves and uh, and things become fair right and it was an incorrect analysis mm -hmm. so people acted on that sense of direction millions and millions of people and they killed 100 million people bad stage theory right so i mean what what you're saying is serious like whether or not you pick, yeah. pick up the eugenic example right uh, so bad stage but that does speak to how powerful uh, sta stage theories are as, as scaffolds for the mind and scaffolds for imagination. And to this day, uh, uh, Marxism does produce many interesting analyses and so forth. Uh, I wanted to say a couple of things that I didn't like that happened. Um, one thing was uh, my, my buddy, my co-writer, Emil, he was um, invited to, um, to a conference this summer, last summer. Uh, like a hippie conference outside of Berlin. 
with lots of integral lists and so forth. And there were 150 people or something, and there's a commune there. And uh, and he was invited to speak about our stage theories. And he, you know, he just had a, just had, didn't feel like it. So he talked about what we mostly like to talk about, the existential welfare um, which we frame in stage theories, but but it's not the same thing, right? Listening society, and he, you know, made a good splash with it. Eventually, he understood that the whole organ, that the organizing of the whole event, was hijacked by a few people who, who had like a house in another part of the of Germany and and in Switzerland, and they had, you know, an isolated commune there, and uh, and they had organized the whole event. Uh, including his thing about stage theories, so he was he was supposed to be the the outward expert who legitimized that the leaders of that cult that was a cult had taken over and taken all the admin responsibility of the the organization of the organizing of this major event, and everybody was like, "Oh, oh, never somebody else is doing it this year. We're we're off, right?" Uh, and uh, and they had organized the whole thing as a huge conspiracy and wanted to put in in him as the outside expert to legitimize that the leaders there had super high stage on a personal level, like, uh, and that, that that's why you should give away all of your self to them uh, in these circles, uh, we space. Wow. Uh, and the we spaces, of course, had these break break people down mechanisms, mm -hmm. right? Where everybody tells you how dumb you are. Or yeah, bad I, you are. I heard about well, this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so, I mean, that's well, and and then you know a few googlings later when they realized what what they were him and his wife what they were part of, uh, they they saw well you know kids had died in that thing because of mal mal uh, they were they weren't well taken care of and so forth uh, LSD and rape of course always rape uh, and so uh, all in therapeutic. And and they 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 were an apocalyptic sect that said uh, cult that said uh, society is going down the pipeline due to climate change and so forth ecological disaster, but a few supermen or can can go first and rise to the top, uh, and then and then force the evolution of everybody else right. Uh, so that's how bad it can get, right? I mean, there's there, they had no case, like there, there had no support in any of the serious science, right? I know. But, but, I but, mean, but, but, but it was this was eugenics, my friend. This was absolutely awful, and these people, are, you know, are like the Nazis. Like, uh, and a few years on, these were just active people in the general. Uh, integral circles, right? Who you could have met in any of these events, but now they were cult leaders, and they had more or less accidentally killed people. They had raped people. They had uh, for they had forced people to give their whole, uh, you know, mon fortunes to them. They had ruined families and so forth, right? Uh, because the ideas were seductive, and they drew you know semi psychopaths and that's just one I, one thing uh, there uh, i have other uh, other stories that are less dramatic yeah sure and when it what did you want to say nora i just wanted to um i wanted to say i, I you know when i posted that you know, mm -hmm. okay like I, I really threw 
I, I threw a fireball out there. And, you know, honestly, at the time, I didn't really think anyone was going to care. It seemed like, you know, if you Google criticism of stage theory, there's like 140 million papers out there on it. You know, it's like, so I, I didn't see what was really all that radical about my post. I still don't, honestly. It seems like it's pretty, pretty standard. Um, and... And certainly my dad and Margaret Mead and, you know, Boaz and, you know, all these early anthropologists were fighting it tooth and nail. They were fighting, yes. because, you know, being used to measure other cultures and it was a disaster. Um, and uh, so then, of course, I got called, you know, the green meanie and the, you know, the green queen and, and to this day, this like green thing. And all I, can, all I can do is just chuckle to myself because every time they do that, I'm like, and this is my point. <laughs> exactly the issue of, um, you know, I guess that's the thing of, of, the work that I do with warm data, what I find so fascinating about it is that the way in which people are learning and are making connections and are discovering things is completely unpredictable. All right. So we had one person recently who came out of a, 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 a people need people. That's the online warm data thing. And she, you know, whatever. She was like, whatever, you know, but that it's never about what happens in the lab. It's about what happens after. And so she went out into her whatever living room and what she noticed was all these books and they were books that she had borrowed and she'd never given them back. She'd had those books there for years, but suddenly she noticed, oh my gosh, who is the kind of, what's the kind of person who doesn't give books back? And so she started giving her books back. All right, now this sounds trivial, but this is not trivial because what she noticed was how she was being in relationship. I could have never predicted in a thousand trillion million years the way in which the abductive process that takes place in the warm data was going to bring her to be able to have attention to something and to be able to move in in a way with it. Um, and, and But what was there was a possibility of mutual learning. That is, I find um, best held without goals, without optimized versions, without definitions of what it looks like, where we're going. And I, I think this is where I really want to, you know, end with us today is this question of, is it really a good idea to define what is optimum um, and work toward it when the thinking that is actually producing that vision of optimum is actually locked in this version of knowing I, I, and so so this is where for my work i don't i don't the last thing on earth i would want is an is an outcome or an optimum i, I like no way because then all this beautiful stuff actually gets hijacked by that process if you were a better thinker you would think like this and then all the possibilities of ways that person might have thought that might have connected even in the most general terms get get truncated by that definition and that 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 articulation of optimization or the best or the grooviest or the greenest or the fifth level or the purple or the whatever it is you know 
I just wanted to throw out, um, this has been really interesting and, and I like this. This is helpful. I feel like this is constructive because I'm getting a, a synthetic thing happening right now. Uh, there's, um, I'm seeing sort of a left brain, right brain element here and the sort of intuitive angle, uh, the abductive process leading, you know, sort of non-linearly to insight, but also the other tendency to want to name, describe, um, and, uh, and, and sort of form, you know, formal paradigms around things. And listening to you both talk, I agree with so much of what both of you are saying, which then leads me to think, well, these things are in a dynamical dance together is, is kind of how, where I would love to see maybe a, a synthesis. And I wonder if just throwing that out there, that reson, I mean, Dana, you mentioned a yin yang uh, component to this earlier, and that might be one way of framing it, but like, there's a sort of dialectical process here where I don't, there's like a part of me that doesn't want to come down on either side because I feel like both the intuit, intuitive, uh, nonlinear, um, fully kind of, uh, yeah, the warm data approach that you're talking about, Nora, is incredibly productive and necessary. At the same time, if we lean too far into that, we can't make distinctions. Things can become confused and too blurred to uh, make certain kinds of progress in other directions, I would argue. Why? I don't well, understand that. Uh, the way that I would look at it is, as I was you know, gesturing at briefly earlier, is that in order to do integration, we have to first do differentiation. So we have to name the parts before we can name how they're inter interacting in a whole. Um, See, that's interesting, Brendan, because I have heard that before. And then my work with small children absolutely defies that. So working with, especially with Reggio Emilia, little kids in Reggio Emilia, um, it's amazing what these little itty bitties are doing. And they're actually jumping to, you know, what we would call, you know, university level science at three and four years old, because they are given the context in which they can make connections that way. And so they do. Yeah. And, and so but like doesn't doesn't making connections depend upon there being things to connect. And I don't mean that in a an ontological sense and I don't need to get into process versus objects, that sort of thing. But, but you know, don't you need sort of uh, to talk about relationships? You have to have things that can be related. Mm. Well, what, what I would talk about is difference that makes a difference. Okay. Which is, you know, the way that, you know, you have two notes and you, you can't really see color without other colors. You can't hear notes without contrast and silence. There always has to be compared to process. Right. So, but the question is this, that I think you're asking, can you zoom in and zoom out simultaneously? And that is what the warm data work does. And that's why what I'm seeing with these little tiny children is there is no need to zoom in and then zoom out. The zoom in, zoom out is a, is a singular process in that school. Um, and, and it happens at a really young age. So there, you know, I, I, I think there has been this mythology that you have to break things down before you can put them back together. Um, I, I would suggest that that certainly doesn't fit into my research at all. Um, but uh, I mean, can you learn tango by learning the steps? Or do you have to see the tango? Takes two. <laughs> right. And, and so, but, but once you see the tango, you, then you can do it together, right? It's this, it's this amalgamation of zoom in, zoom out. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, and for, for my part, uh, I would say there are, uh, from, uh, from my experience and just, just, just what I can observe in, 
in and through life, there are undeniable patterns. They're very strong. They're very salient. Um, and ignore them at own peril, basically. That, uh, that if, we, if we do not ignore, if we do uh, insist on ignoring very, very uh, strong and salient patterns of behavior uh, and, and uh, how, how, be how behavior functions, then mm -hmm. people will respond uh, seemingly to us erratically and so forth. Um, and we're seeing this in, in examples across the board in, in, uh, uh, in countries like Sweden today, um, where there is a prevalent developmental blindness. Uh, and uh, for instance, uh, uh, you know, very, very uh, tough criminal gangs uh, are being met with, uh, with very, uh, with very uh, soft multiculturalist uh, values and social social work, etc. Uh, not saying that vindictive stuff works better. Uh, just saying that the perspective taking is failing because there is a is is a lack of developmental uh, awareness, basically, um, and uh, and this it, it lands lands people in a lot of in a lot of conflicts, right? So so I I think uh, the, the richness that uh, Nora is speaking of. Uh, Depends on several things. Uh, depends on scaffolding, um, and so so developmental theories do, do have ideas about what you're talking about that you can you can scaffold things uh, or, or processes. Uh, it depends that, that uh, I mean, sure, you can you can get kids to do very very surprising things, uh, but usually it does depend on you, the. The, the adult being there and stimulating. So, what I'm depends talking on about is, is gaps. Okay. Yeah. If you give people yeah. things to make right. connections between, um, and this is where I think the soft psychology, you know, this, they always go wrong here because they go in and they think we have to teach these gang members how to have harmony and how to have compassion. We have to teach, we have to insert this into them. Right, and that is a, 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 an error of levels of abstraction. That is a map territory error. Okay, in Bertrand Russell's terms, it's a it's an error of logical typing. The compassion, empathy, you know, that stuff is not in the human. It's in it's in the relationship between them. You cannot go in and teach that um, as an insertion. Well, yeah, and, I mean, and what the hell is it? Right. What is it? Well, empathy to one person is the ability to manipulate for real. And, yeah. and so, so, I mean, what I'm seeing is that what, what we're talking about, if we're bringing it into those terms, because I would never in a million years say that that the right wing or the gang members are less developed. I would never, ever say a thing like that. What they are where their sensitivities are developed are very different than where your sensitivities are developed. Mm -hmm. But they have very developed sensitivities, very developed. So I, I, I would never in a million years say that. What my question would be is how, how do we begin to perceive each other's sensitivities and not come with that attitude, you know. I mean, so so I I would disagree. I would say that uh, there are clearly uh, developmental qualities that you can uh, that you can gauge, uh, and that one thing really does build on the other. Uh, so uh, I think there is not 
uh, one uh, nationalist uh, follower or uh, rough criminal in Sweden today that would be able to uh, articulate a lot of the things that you've been saying today, Nora, for instance. And, and I think, uh, uh, and I think, whereas they have other skills, uh, that does build on a on a long life of participating in completely other contexts that actually have been that have uh, non-arbitrarily led you there right it's not to say that there's only one direction but but that one thing does build on on uh, on the other to, uh, and then then at each stage or whatever you want to call it uh, th there's uh, of course always a whole rich reality there right so of course uh, if you're part of the gang scene you're going to be better at being part, of, part, being part of the gang scene. I almost got my ass kicked on the on the street the other day because I didn't know, uh, uh, who, yeah, who I was talking to or or, or how to comport myself in that in that uh, setting. Right? You weren't developed uh, so, enough. Was that was then? <laughs> you weren't developed yeah. enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in that regard, right? You need to develop uh, your gang line. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, no, no. But I mean, at the same time, I th this is a deeper discussion about the lines and stuff. I, I think, I think there's there there really is a both and. But I don't want the both and to be uh, uh, to be too. <sighs> I don't want it to allow too much arbitrariness, right? I think uh, if if it says if it says. Uh, this is one way of thinking, uh, but there are also other ways of thinking. It also, it, it, and you can just safely ignore developmental uh, thinking. I think we're doing ourselves a disfavor, right? Uh, well, I, I don't think that everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. What I'm okay. saying well, is, what are you is saying? A, what I'm saying is there is a deep and saturated. Um, relational understanding of particular contexts and that 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 is going to come out in second nth order processes yeah. Yeah. we see the reaction we see some event and we're like oh stop the events okay yeah. but but we're not actually tending to the contextual logic it's a kind of logic there are variables that are in play and the human beings in those variables are making reason out of the variables they have to work with yeah, arguably that's what okay. a stage is <laughs> well well actually actually well i i i can't disagree with that at all i, I would just argue yeah. that one, one of those variables would be stage right uh but you can i wouldn't say it was stage but i would say yeah. you know situation it's yeah. a situation and, and mm. learning to be in a situation is a very mm. rich experience. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's very difficult to perceive that from the outside. Like, mm. how would you know? Mm. So if you're looking through a particular lens, I just don't know how the hell you'd see what's happening in another situation like that without, an, you know, some hubris. But where I do agree with you, so let me just be clear, is that there is a real need to be able to talk about development in a way that doesn't, um, that doesn't isolate the individual unit. Mm -hmm. yep. and, and, and this is actually pretty critical in this moment of how do we talk about um, development in a way that isn't 
about the individual unit because um, all of our terminology locates that, triggers that. Um, and even, even sadly, most of the stuff ha having to do with, you know, ecological um, work and, and certainly in psychology. Um, I work with systems psychologists all the time and it's not systemic. It's not. They have the 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 framework that says there's multiple perspectives or there's we have to stream in information from multiple directions, but that does not produce contextual understanding. And so that that I think is I really do agree with you that we need to be able to talk about development, but I I don't uh, I don't think we're there yet. And I, I don't know whether stage theory is the right way to do that, if whether we just have to like make it great again or um or 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 what, right? Yeah. So but but I do think that it's necessary to be able to talk about I, I wrote a paper called Somathacy about you know transcontextual mutual learning and how you know the the formation of the tree is is informing of the multiple contextual relationships that it's within. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so I, yeah. I'd love to hear more about uh, and to talk more about different ways of, of conceptualizing and being able to talk about development. Uh, hearing you say that development can be spoken of in some way, you know, maybe we don't have the, the right way of doing it at the moment is, is a really intriguing idea, Nora. And I'd be really interested to uh, have that conversation if you wanted to do that at some point. Um, I want to be mindful of time because we're, we're yeah. sort of nearing the end. Um, but there's so it's much gonna, more. It's going to start raining here as oh, well. Okay. I, I, I just okay. also want to I also just want to say uh, because because it's the, these are, of course, issues that are dear to my heart. But I also believe um, that there is a language beyond stage theory that could sort of reconstruct it from above uh, or from beyond it. And it, it, I mean, it has to do with more fractal ways of thinking uh, the, the the context that you've been invited to sometimes with a, with a, a meta theorist club, mm -hmm. Brendan. You met post some also in your play, country place, right? Um, is is working on that sort of meta theory that can be, you know, think about development, but much much more. Um, well, so you can make multiple cuts, right? So you don't get so you get, so you don't get stuck with one certain uh, progression, right? Uh, so so that, but probably it's it's some years in the future before uh, before uh, people start to converge on on some ways or models to think about those things. So it does sound like there's some agreement in the sense that how development uh, is currently being framed is incomplete and inadequate ultimately for both of you and that there's more room to be done uh maybe even together uh around these sorts of topics I'm up for it. cool um well i'd say i mean i i really enjoyed that i don't know if you if anyone wants to throw in any final thoughts or comments but um i feel like that that's a pretty good place to land this conversation um so anyway, uh, if, if, yeah, if you agree with that, then I would just say thank you both so much for this. It's been really interesting. And I think as we're all agreeing, there's uh, more, more to discuss at some point. But, um, but for now, yeah, that was great. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank you, Daniel. I'm so glad we got to do this. Goodbye, uh, <laughs> listeners. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Right. Yeah. Thank you.